0: What is up Level Up Nation and welcome to the November 30 edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I am joined as always by the king of the courtside,
1: the courtside king, Joey, what's up buddy? John, I am stoked, we are entering entering into like the holiday window of games right now, we have big releases on mobile, big releases on console, PC, Modern Warfare, A Plague Tale, soon God of War, we have a new Pokemon game later this year in November, Uh, some really cool indies coming out as well, so lots of good stuff to look forward to as we continue along toward that holiday window.
0: Why so serious, Joe? He,
1: like your face was like frozen, like like you're you're mean mugging everyone here on Twitch. It's always good times, you know. Like what is going <laughs> on? Uh, we haven't really had too many freezing issues as of late, but I guess we'll get it over right at the start here, just like the Phillies with their hitting. Hopefully tonight, um, we'll see how that goes later on. Um, but overall, John, just super excited for the holiday window. I feel like there's a lot of big games that just recently came out: Modern Warfare Two, Marvel Snap for mobile, Plague Tale: Requiem. Uh, I mean, I could go on forever and ever. It feels like some big Nintendo ones as well. And then for November, we have a new Pokemon game coming, God of War Ragnarok uh, up there as an easy game of the year contender with Elden Ring. So lots of good stuff to look forward to as we creep closer to December as well.
0: All right, but nation, before we start, just a little housekeeping. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. It's at L- at Level Up Live. That's at L V L U P Live. And while you're on Twitter, before Elon Musk charges you eight dollars to be a verified minion on Twitter, make sure you follow Joey at Courtsay King myself at Fiasco. If you heard live on Twitch with us, those are the handles below our beautiful mugshots you're currently staring at, and on your mobile device, your computer, your TV, or wherever you may be watching the show. Uh, speaking of watching the show, if you can't catch us on Twitch, have no fear. We do have a podcast version of the show available, usually within 24 hours. Uh, you can check that out at the Level Up podcast, available on your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up. We're there for you. I mean, it's it's great, right? Uh, extra credit. You all have Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, you do. Use that Amazon Prime on OTN Media's Twitch page and... Um, earn joey's eternal love and possibly one hit for the philadelphia phillies tonight in game five uh, i know joey would definitely appreciate that as well <laughs> all right joey uh, i know you, you briefly touched on it a little bit when i asked you how you were doing uh but uh dare i ask you what are we talking about today on
1: the show Absolutely, John. We're talking about a new partnership between EA and Marvel. We've seen EA work with Disney for a couple of years now, mainly with Star Wars, now jumping further into the Marvel suitcase as well. So, going over a little bit of what that deal means, we have Modern Warfare 2 breaking a bunch of Call of Duty records. So, we'll touch on that. Sony has a lot of announcements. We have God of War reviews coming out, we have their earnings report for quarter two. PSVR 2 now has a release date and a, a steep price tag for many. Uh, We have T. Lou show news as well for The Last of Us HBO show. Embracer Group just rebranded a studio and then shut it down a week later and much, much more.
0: Ah, the good old rebrand and shutdown tactic. Ah, I love it. It's (laughs) absolutely fantastic. Uh, Hopefully we're not rebranding anytime soon because I'm feeling a little uneasy there. Uh, Joe, before we dive into our topics, of course, we have to talk about our drink of choice. What beverage is aiding you in tonight's episode?
1: Well, John, I'm still on some painkillers for my wrist action over here. I think it's like tendinitis or something of sort, So I am just drinking water. I'm not allowed to have alcohol at the moment. Um, but other than that, I do hope you are carrying us tonight. It is a doctor's suggestion that you don't
0: have alcohol <laughs> with painkillers, sir. I don't care if it's on the bottle or not. Uh, Joey, it's – no, if I had alcohol tonight, um, I would be drunk for the show. Mm. It's been one of those days. So instead, uh, Joey, as a fellow NL East baseball fan, as a Washington National fan, uh, rooting for your Philadelphia Phillies uh, because Bryce Harper is awesome and we miss him here in D.C., I am rocking my World Series championship cup for the Washington Nationals from 2019, uh, and I'm rocking the greatest soda known to man – uh, fight me if you think otherwise, and that would be Coca-Cola Zero.
1: Oh, okay. It's, yeah, I absolutely love I Coke feel like Zero. a lot of people lean the Diet Coke route over regular or Ugh. Coke Zero.
0: No, uh, Diet Coke tastes stale to me. Um, I prefer Coke Zero. I think it's probably one of the best things they've ever made uh, since the uh, original Coke that had a certain drug in it. Um, but we're not going to talk about that because we are not a drug podcast, believe it or not. Uh but yes, uh Coke Zero in my World Championship World Series Curly W Glass for the Washington Nationals. Joey, please finish off the Astros and get at
1: least one hit
0: tonight. Uh that's all that's all I'm asking for for you and your Phillies. Minimum. Minimum one hit.
1: Yeah, at uh, least Joe- one hit. Hopefully one win, though, John. One win is our target here. Let's aim for the stars at least first here.
0: Look, as I say, the best place in Texas to celebrate, the best party spot in Houston is the away clubhouse uh the nationals and the braves can attest to that joey we have our topics we have our lack of adult beverages but we have an amazing show here tonight so let's get right into it let's get into gaming and esports news presented by gamer bites oh it's an ad gamer bites gaming and esports news delivered directly uh to your inbox weekly sign up today if you're in chat, you can click on that fancy little bit.ly link there. And if not, uh, they'll be in the show notes for you on the podcast version. GamerBytes, get your newsletter today. Uh, or Monday, I should really say, is when it's released. Joey, let's get into gaming sports
1: news. Let's go. Yeah, you guys can sign up today, but it won't be delivered till Monday, like John said. But definitely check that out if you haven't already. If you don't like it, unsubscribe, but at least give it a check. Now, on top of that, John, like you said, we have a lot to cover tonight. We're going to dive right in. EA and Marvel, both you and I, not as big fans of EA, but big fans of Marvel. We've enjoyed a lot of their TV shows and movies, uh, as well as their games. Now we have a look at potentially three more games. At least the deal is going to include three games. From what we've heard so far, one has been confirmed, and then Iron Man. That's being developed by EA Motive. We're looking at a single-player, third-person game. It's going to be led by Oliver Pru- oh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Prula. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm not very good with French, <laughs> so you got a little French laugh instead. Uh, he previously worked on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so if you guys checked that game out, uh, it wasn't a Game of the Year award winner, but it was up there in the mid-80s. Uh, pretty good game, pretty decent length. I liked the story of it. It did have some variability in paths. You did come to the same ending, regardless of which way you took, but a couple missions allowed you to kind of change things up, go down different paths, uh, and encounter different story elements as a result. I was a big fan of the game, though. I thought they did a really good job. I was skeptical at first. It didn't look like the prettiest game. But as I played it, the graphics were there. I kind of grew to like the look of the comic book characters more than I expected to. So in the end, I think another Marvel game in his hands could end up being a gem. I just like you had like a Borline French stroke on, on arrows. <laughs> I was like, That's I'm going to try to pronounce know. this name, but I really have no idea how this
0: one goes. Uh, yeah, um, I'm excited for it. um You know, I, I had a lot of hope with EA and Anthem. Uh, Anthem was, was a lot of, was really fun. And, and in all honesty, Anthem reminded me a lot of just the Iron Man character mm-hmm. with that uh, mobility suit, that flight suit that your character had. So I, I would like to think EA at least has the uh, technical aspect of the game already pretty well founded. I would imagine it be kind of easy. I'm not going to say it's a straight copy, Um, But it would be a a fairly simple adaptation, if you will, uh, to build upon going into the Iron Man movie or not movie uh, video game. I think it's great. I love Iron Man. I think a lot of people love Iron Man that follow uh, the MCU. Um, I I feel uh, the Tony Stark character that Robert Downey Jr. played uh, won a lot of people over for Iron Man and it's really helped uh, propel that character to new heights. Um, and I'm super excited that he's going to get his own standalone game. I, I think Iron Man is, is definitely a very, uh, interesting character with a lot of levels, a lot of, uh, layers, like an onion, if you will. Thank you, Shrek. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. I'm, I'm excited for it. My only hesitation, like you said at the beginning, is it's EA and that terrifies me. It absolutely, aside from Fallen Order, which I will give EA their credit for, um, I'm still absolutely terrified at everything that comes out of anything EA related. Um, so hopeless, uh, hopefully optimistic, but at the same time, I'm going to put my bar very low.
1: Right, and I think it's okay to have hesitancies. They've given us plenty of reasons to hesitate over the years. Uh, I do think something's in its favor, though. Again, Oliver working on the story, uh, that Guardians of the Galaxy did pretty well in that department. So that does give me a little bit more faith for the Iron Man game. Uh, And then, again, the Anthem mechanics that you mentioned. A lot of people, I think, if you're going to critique Anthem, there's plenty of things to critique it on. But if you're going to complement it, I think the the system of armor customization was really effective. They did a good job allowing for different kind of like textures, which is something I honestly wish Halo Infinite would implement uh, and kind of copy that system a little bit more. But then the flight mechanics outside of games like I don't know, literally flight sim, ace combat, uh, games that involve planes. I feel like anything bodysuit related, nothing that came close to as good as Anthem was, uh, at least with the mechanic wise. I feel like the cooldowns were pretty effective. The visuals were solid. The actual just feel of it in general was good. So like you said, I don't know if it's a straight up copy. I don't know if they're using the same engines, but if you go off player feedback, players love the flight combat in that and the flight feeling. So hopefully some of that does translate over. Next up on the list, so again, three games. That's project number one. Project number three is Unknown and probably the slowest in development or the earliest in development, rather. The second project is one that's been rumored a couple times. I believe it was first rumored by Jeff Grubb, and that is a Black Panther game. We're looking at a single-player open-world game on this one. Uh, Early in the development stages, so we don't know exactly what that means. Early dev stages can be anywhere from, like, I don't know, one month to two years, potentially, depending on the size of the game. With that being said, it means it's probably not playable right now unless it's a very, very early build. So you've got a couple of years to come, probably 2025, 2026 at the earliest. Uh, with that being said, John, I feel like Black Panther, uh, at least as a movie, absolutely popped off and had a very good sense of tapping into the Marvel general audience, but also really activating the African-American population as well, kind of giving another hero um, for them in that particular cultural group. And I think this is a great way to continue to build that on a different platform with a video game. Black Panther in general, I mean, there's so many cool things that go with that character. Uh, Again, you have the cultural aspects of Wakanda, but then you also have all different tech-related stuff because Wakanda is such an advanced civilization. The combat of Black Panther is really cool. Just the way the suit activates in general, I think, is very awesome and will translate well to video games. And on top of that, this is headed by former Monolith boss Kevin Stevens. Uh, He's the guy who kind of overtook the projects of like Shadow of Mordor and those big Lord of the Rings games with the cool nemesis system they had going on there as well
0: yeah I think you hit the nail around the head. Black Panther is again another fascinating character that saw a massive master boost massive boost in popularity thank you to the uh, thanks to the m c u and chadwick Boseman. like let's let's be real here you know first off rest in peace but like the way he portrayed the Black Panther in those movies uh whether it's uh the uh Black Panther movie, whether it was the appearances uh in the Avenger movies. Absolutely fantastic and really helped propel that character uh, to, ne- to new levels. And like you said, they were able to tap in uh, to the cu- the cultural identity, uh, you know, with a lot of not just uh, African nations that Wakanda is based off of, uh, but the-, the black and African-American communities. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's great representation. First off, Black Panther is such a badass character to begin with. Uh, I love the, the, tech, the technology uh, that is surrounding Wakanda and the Black Panther, uh, and to see that really come to life in a playable video game. Uh, I really can't think of another hero that deserves its own standalone uh, video game other than Black Panther. Yes, Iron Man would be great, but I'm going to be honest, if I only had to pick one out of these three, I'd pick Black Panther. There, I feel like there's, I, you know, like you said, like, like we said, with Iron Man, we had Anthem. Yes, I understand it's only one game that has like a flying suit capability, but but Black Panther, I don't know. It's, to me, it's just there. I feel like there's so much more that can come from a Black Panther open world style game uh, than a single player third person Iron Man uh, narrative driven based game. Don't get me wrong. I think it's going to be great regardless, but I think Black Panther will have the bigger impact overall, and I'm super excited for it. Again, I'm nervous that EA is helping develop this thing. Uh, I really hope they don't screw it up. But again, Black Panther is a
1: fantastic character that deserves its own title as well. And Chad, I'd be curious your opinion too, guys. Like what other superhero games do you want to see? So again, we don't know what this third one is. We have Iron Man. We have Black Panther. There's rumors that there's a Doctor Strange game in development from another studio as well. So outside of those three and any other ones that we know are in the works... What other kind of superhero from the Marvel Universe, John, would you like to see a game made of? Or villain. I mean, I think that's Um, another cool route that they could go as well. uh, So
0: it's no secret to anyone. I'm a big Spider-Man fan, but obviously it's not going to be Spider-Man. Spider-Man has uh, two very good games that are currently out. Uh, Spider-Man on the PlayStation series uh, games, if you will, the PS4 and PS5 and Miles Morales as well. Again, if you're on the PlayStation side of things, uh, and even the PC now with the first Spider Man, definitely play it. Great game. Absolutely fantastic. Um, If I was to have another Marvel character, who would it be? Doctor Strange is definitely a good one. I feel like the uh, spells and the time manipulation would be a really, really cool, kind of like mage like, uh, you know, kind of style game. Um, Where it's a little bit more uh, attack from a distance instead Mm -hmm. of up close hand to hand combat like we see with like a Spider-Man like we're going to see from Black Panther. Um, Racking my brain real quick. We already had a Guardians of the Galaxy, so that's that's pretty much going to be out as well.
1: And there is a Wolverine Um, game in development, but I would love to see something like full X-Men to expand on that even more. I think that could be something interesting. Not a big X-Men fan? I'm not a big X-Men fan either, but I could see it playing as a good video game.
0: Oh, for sure. Like I just X-Men for whatever reason have never been able to like connect with me. Like Mm -hmm. I I get it, I find it fascinating. Mutants are always uh fascinating. Um the character I (laughs) okay, here we go. Here we go. I want a Deadpool game. Yeah. I want a Deadpool game. Deadpool. With the snarky sarcasm that Ryan Reynolds brings to that character. Plus, that's what the character has in the comic books, also. Bring that to a video game. Uh, let the bromance that Deadpool has with Spider Man trickle in there as well. Let's make Peter Parker feel uncomfortable. Uh, let's just, I mean, I want Deadpool. Give me a sarcastic rated R video game with Deadpool, uh, and I'm 100% on board with it.
1: That one, I I have a feeling something like that has got to be in the works somewhere. Because, I mean, they're starting to push it a little bit. Like, Disney, yes, you're going to be E for everyone. But they have started to dabble a little bit in releasing more adult content. So I could see a Deadpool game becoming a thing here in the near future. Uh, It absolutely wouldn't surprise me at this point if they do go that route. And I think there's some... I don't know if they'd ever go the villain route, but I think there are some villains that have interesting backstories that could be worth exploring in a video game format as well. So we won't dive into too much of that because it does open a whole worm or a can of worms rather. And I feel like we could go the whole night talking about villain backstories, but that's something Green we Goblin. really haven't seen explored too much, right? Like there's so many yeah. mental aspects to that. So many traumatic experiences that could become really cool video games as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that the issue, anytime you bring villains into a video game and you make them the center character, you always get those people that stand on their moral high ground on Mustafar saying, you know, um, you know, oh well. By by highlighting the villain, you're trying to humanize them. How can they be the bad guy if if uh, you know we we feel bad for him if we understand their backstory? Look, I, I hate to break it to you. Every like, not I don't. I, I'm a, I'm the kind of person that believes not every person is born bad. They eventually develop that way. So yes, even in like a comic book world, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe world, in the video game world. Bad people aren't and bad characters aren't just bad from the get-go. There's a backstory. Understanding that backstory adds more layers, more lore, if you will, into this univort into this universe. I think that would be fascinating. I would love a Green Goblin game. Um, I would think uh even a um Doc Ock game. I think that'd be kind of cool to like go through a city with my mechanical arms going around and throwing cars and whatnot. Being like, grr, get out of my way. I'm trying to get to Capital One Arena to watch the Capitals play. Like, this traffic is uh, absurd on 495. I think that, I, to me, that's not a villain. That's someone who gets things done. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's Now, I want to see
1: that game, but it's like a taxi simulator, like a crazy yes. taxi doc option where you're moving people into Capital One Arena or to Audi Field. I think we, <laughs> we have something here, John. Could be quite the arcade game. We're on to it. <laughs> Absolutely. So plenty of different heroes and villains to pull from. We do know Iron Man is confirmed, that one by Motive. Black Panther also in the works as a single-player open-world game. But we'll have to wait a little while to find out what that third license is, as well as these other Marvel games in development as well. Next up on the agenda, we have Modern Warfare 2 breaking Call of Duty records, as expected. I mean, John and I have projected this for a while now. You're looking at a Call of Duty game that... The Modern Warfare series always sells extremely well. It's done it with Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, the first one, all the way through now. It just so happens that this one is continuing to break records and really breaks a big one here, already selling over $800 million in worth of copies in its first three days of release. That breaks the previous record of Modern Warfare 3, which we don't have a three-day record for, but it sold $400 million on launch day, as well as was up to $775 million in five days. So if it's at $775 million in five days, then obviously $800 million in three days breaks that. So it is the new record holder. Uh, I've said it before as well. Assuming the Activision Blizzard deal goes through and Microsoft does acquire them, we eventually get Call of Duty Day 1 on Game Pass. I think this is probably going to be the biggest selling Call of Duty game of all time. And I think that record will stay forever. Again, assuming that deal does go through because people are going to be playing on a Game Pass. So again, breaking records already, but... I really think this one could be the record to stay in many different departments.
0: Now, Joe, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Um, this is also the most expensive Call of Duty game with that new price increase. Very true. Um, so, so yes, while it's still impressive, they sold over $800 million worth of copies in three days. That's $800 million worth of copies at the new higher expensive price point. So again, not trying to say, look, it, it, it's an extra 10 bucks, uh or an extra 20 bucks, if you will uh depending upon i don't know what, whatever and even if you are crazy enough to buy the supreme uber uh mega death badass edition um for like <laughs> 129 dollars that's that probably helped out also uh but but yeah i mean it, it's still nothing to turn your head up at but but again i'm just i don't know i would like this, the cost of video games to stop going up as much uh but hey inflation um it's horrible uh, but yeah, it, it, it's massive. I mean, even with the, te- I would argue, even at the old price at $59.99, it would still hit over eight hundred million. Uh, uh, so it, it's it's nothing, you know, shocking there. I do wish that when this uh, goes, when the merger goes through, when asterisks it goes through, um, it gets thrown on on Game Pass. That way, it's a little bit easier to not have to shell at seventy dollars for this game. Uh, at get go, I have not bit the bullet as of yet, um, but I, I probably will. I am kind of hoping for a miracle that this merger gets announced like <laughs> yesterday and it magically appears on Game Pass tomorrow, uh, which is a pipe dream. Yeah, but very hopeful. Uh, yes, yeah, super <laughs> exciting here. I mean, it's great for Modern Warfare. Reviews coming in from uh, friends that I know who have played absolutely love it. Uh, they think the campaign is very uh, uh, entertaining, the story is good, uh, multiplayer. All that fun stuff that you see on uh, Modern Warfare 2 2 for this Call of Duty title. A lot of people are enjoying it, which is always a good sign uh, when the uh, fan base enjoys the latest uh, version of your game to come out. So super excited for that, and uh, can't wait to finally dive into it when I have time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it hasn't been without its critiques. Uh, A lot of people critiquing the menu design and the UI design. Mm -hmm. Uh, The person who designed it is the previous designer of Hulu's UI, So a lot of that TV-based UI coming over into the gaming world. Uh, Again, mixed reviews. I feel like most people don't like the UI. Some people do like the uh, UI. So uh, it's one of those things people are still getting used to. But overall, the game is selling well. I think I I would say the telltale factor probably of kind of your comparison there with the higher price. Eventually, probably at the end of the quarter, we'll get uh, probably a straight raw copy number instead of a money number. This is how many millions of copies we sold. And it'll probably come after December after the holiday window. So then we'll get a real idea of how it shapes up against some of these other Call of Duty titles and really just game titles in general. Um, But for now, it looks like a giant success. Next up, and unfortunately not quite as successful, but I do expect these to turn up quite a bit come quarter three. Sony has reported their Q2 PlayStation earnings. Services, we have 102 million PlayStation active users. That's down 2% over the quarter. We have 45 million PS Plus subs, which is down 4%. Uh, This is probably the most surprising. So gaming companies in general are going to have a down quarter. The economy is not doing great right now. It's coming off some pretty big COVID years, so we're continuing to see a bit of a downturn there, as well as just when the economy is down, people are not spending as much money on entertainment, and gaming is considered entertainment for many. So this is big for this particular purpose because it's down 4% in its first full quarter after its newly launched relaunch of the PS Plus service. So this is a service they kind of bundled together with PS Now. They combined all the features. They relaunched it in June. And now we get our first report of the first full quarter. And it seems like people are happy with it to certain degrees, um, but also not as happy if it is dropping 4%. It could have been a lot of people trying it when it first launched, and then you just get the, hey, maybe this isn't worth my price or my money for now. Maybe I'll resub later. Or maybe it's going to be one of those things like once a few more new games get added, maybe they jump back in. We really don't know, but being down 4% after its new relaunch is kind of the biggest standout factor. Um, but again, everyone is going to be down, any gaming company in general pretty much. Uh, unless you're Nintendo, they might find a way to still be positive. Uh, for sales, we have 62.5 million in software sales. That's down 18% for the quarter. And then 3.3 million PS5 sales flat year over year. I didn't pull the number, but I think that means there are over 20 million consoles sold uh ps5 consoles that is it could even be closer to 25 million at this point Um, but those are starting to fill up and with the holiday window again god of war ragnarok releasing and it looks like playstation stock should be pretty strong for the holiday they're probably gonna have a very very strong quarter four to follow this week quarter three any other thoughts there john i know it's a little bit number heavy um but again i don't feel like this is like an xbox versus playstation versus nintendo thing i feel like every company is going to show a downturn The biggest highlight is mainly that that new service is still kind of shaky up front.
0: Yeah. And that was a concern when they first announced it as well. I mean, the problem is, is anytime you try to, uh, I don't want to say copy because copy almost has like a negative uh, connotation to it. Um, But uh, when you try to um, mimic, if you will, something like an Xbox Game Pass, when there's something that's already there in the market, that is, is showing success whether Sony wants to admit it or not um, it's a very successful um, service then you have developers uh, that are having their own uh, kind of uh, uh, game pass e kind of feel where you pay 999 a month and you have access to a bunch of different EA titles uh, or you have access to uh, I oh, don't know, it's all sub- uh, subscription-based gaming or services going for. I mean, that, that, that's that's the sexy topic uh, when it comes to entertainment. But when you look at the video game space, when you have a console and you can have a, a subscription pass like Game Pass, where you have all these developers that are partaking in there, where you can have old Xbox games in there, uh, you have AAA titles fresh at launch going on Game Pass, uh, then you have a lot of classics that are on there as well. There's a lot of really cool things. That Game Pass offers. So now when you're PlayStation, you're like, hey, look, you know, we're not going to admit this publicly, but it seems like it's working. We need to do something like that. Um, that's new territory for, for Sony. I mean, it, it, while it is a little bit of a critique here, Sony doesn't enjoy, um, to me, as a consumer, at least, it feels like they do not enjoy allowing gamers to go backwards. Uh, backwards compatibility has always been an issue in in, in the PlayStation uh, uh, consoles if you will it, 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 it you know it, they don't want to do it because oh the technology oh weighs too much oh it's going to drive cost up uh, you know I, I just I just don't buy it uh, now that you have a digital service you know why are you limiting your backlog so extensively on your new subscription service uh, and then you price lock uh, different uh, tiers of games if you will uh, to me, it just, like, I get you don't want it to be exactly like Xbox's Game Pass, but at the same time, it's like, it feels like, uh can you, Joey, I, I don't I don't want to put this out into the universe, but this would be like Netflix being like, okay, cool, we're going to roll out a low ad tier, uh, and in that ad tier, you're going to get an ad, uh, you know, three minutes of ads for every hour you watch, and oh, we're only going to lock you to viewing children's shows, oh, What's that? You want to watch reality TV also? Well, that's going to be an, an extra $5.99 a month. Or you can upgrade to our uh, you know, one ad every two-hour plan, and that will unlock reality TV and documentaries. And, oh, what's that? You want to see the newest foreign flick that everyone's talking about? Cool. You have to upgrade to our super-duper, oh, my gosh, I have no life but watching Netflix plan for $24.95. And then uh, that's going to give you an ad at once every five hours. And and it it just that's what it kind of feels like. Like, I don't think I don't think that's a very successful plan. And I feel like Sony is going to eventually get back to uh, just a one plan subscription like we see with Xbox. And then it's going to become more successful for PlayStation users.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to argue, right? Like if you're someone coming new into the PlayStation ecosystem, I think the deal is great you have access to a bunch of big titles from spider-man to god of war to the last of us uncharted many of those are on the service now i think where xbox game pass differs for even people who've been in the ecosystem for a while someone like me who's played every halo who's played all the gears of war games who's played all the fable games all the not everyone but a number of the forza games as well these are the big kind of xbox ips right now i've played a lot of them so why would I sub to a service like the PS Plus one for someone in that ecosystem? And I think that's where PlayStation is kind of having some issues or with those players who have played all their big games already. What else is the service offering at that point? And I think they're starting to tap into that a little bit. They're going out, getting more third-party deals. Uh, one of the big ones was Yakuza. And that's worked very well for Xbox as well. PlayStation going that same route. There's a couple other games like Stray. That came out in July. That was a good deal from the indie perspective for them as well. But overall... They're not giving the first party day one, and I think that's everyone's biggest complaint right now. And sure, a number of people still love the service. Again, what I say? 45 million subscribers, so it's not doing bad in any right. Um, But at the same point, not having those first party games, if you put God of War on their day one, I'm an instant subscriber. If you put The Last of Us, even The Last of Us Remake on their day one, sure, I'm a subscriber. And I think that's its biggest holdback compared to Game Pass right now. Is again, again, Microsoft is a trillion-dollar company versus Sony, that's a billion-dollar company. So there is a bit of a money difference there as well. But Sony has seen the success of selling their first-party titles. God of War at seventy dollars, no issue. People are going to pay it very easily. Uh, people in OTN have even got the collector's edition of the game, which I highly recommend. I mean, the game is great. It's reviewing very well. It's going to do extremely well, and so are a number of other Sony IPs out there. So they have no issue selling at seventy dollars. While Xbox again has sold pretty well at seventy dollars or sixty dollars rather too. Uh, I could see this being the big driver for Game Pass once more first-party titles come out. It's already doing pretty well as a service, but once you add Starfield and Redfall and the new Forza Motorsport and Avowed and Hellblade and all these games, more people are going to flock to Game Pass. And I think right now, that's kind of where Sony is going to struggle. If they don't have first-party and they're limiting their third-party deals, how are they going to bring those people over? How are they going to pull those new gamers in that are not completely new to the ecosystem looking for a backlog to play? So I think that's the question they have to answer, and that's why we're seeing a downturn right now. But again, with bigger games eventually landing on that service six months or so after release, I think it will start going back up. Now, games are big and games are giant. We're going to talk about God of War Ragnarok here soon, but Sony also kind of teasing their new hardware. Uh, They've been releasing new information over the last couple months of what their new PSVR 2 is going to look like. They gave us an early 2023 release date. Now we have more details on that release date as well as that price. We're looking at February 2023, so just past the top of the year after everyone stops going to the gym because of their New New Year's resolutions. Uh, Then they'll be diving right back into some gaming and hopefully some VR if you're Sony. Uh, $549.99 is going to be the price tag, John. Uh, I think I've said this before. I like the idea of VR, But I am not someone who has really dove into VR. I've tried on headsets. I've played some games here and there. um, But to me, VR is not at a place where I'm going to go out and spend a big price tag like this. And I think one of the things that, again, PlayStation does a little differently than some of these other headsets, a lot of them you can use on your PC. The PSVR 2, to my knowledge, is only going to be playable on the PlayStation. So with it kind of locked to PlayStation 5, that makes the $550 price tag even a little bit more. uh, It makes me hesitant more going toward it.
0: Yeah, and it costs more than your PS5 does. Um, so yeah, congrats! You're shelling out over a thousand dollars to have VR on your PlayStation Five. I just, to me, that that's ridiculous. That that's insane. Um, I've been very critical about the the price gatekeeping, if you will, of VR headsets, of VR units, even at three hundred dollars, uh, and then. You know, even the cheaper ones that maybe go down to two hundred, you still need to have a high performing uh, PC to really get a lot of bang for your buck out of it. Uh, it it's it's price gatekeeping to a T here. I, I I mean, whether this is a great piece of technology or not, I don't think anyone's going to deny that it's not an amazing piece of technology at that price point. If you have that kind of disposable income, you know, good for you. Good for you if you can drop over a thousand dollars to get a PlayStation Five and this VR headset. Uh, that that's that's fantastic, um, but I, I really feel like this price is is way way overpriced from Sony. I don't think it's going to sell as well because of it. Uh, it, it could possibly sell I mean, if they could get this down to even three hundred and fifty dollars. I think it sells better. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that the VR headset for the PlayStation 5 is going to cost more than the PlayStation 5 unit itself, I think you're out of your mind.
1: And I think that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, we've talked to certain people on the OTN server. They think it's going to sell very well because it's PlayStation. And again, PlayStation has an extremely loyal fan base. But I think the biggest thing with any of them, whether it be PlayStation or Xbox, stuff like God of War and The Last of Us sell great. And Halo and Gears of War, sure. They sell awesome. But the biggest seller is the third party stuff. It's your Call of Duty. Uh, your most player count is on Warzone, is on Fortnite, is on Apex. So while these games are great, and I think something like Call, uh, I think it's Horizon Call of the Mountain is going to be the VR Horizon game. Um, it, it, sure, it's going to sell fine. It'll sell a couple million copies. Great. I don't think this is enough to move this unit at the price they priced it at. When you look at consoles, they sell consoles at a loss. Xbox, I think, sells at a little bigger of a loss than PlayStation does, but they both sell at a loss. So overall, because of this tech, you're investing more into it. You're hoping the gamers buy your system at a reduced cost. You're fronting some of that, and then you expect to make it back, whether it be in PS Now or Game Pass subscriptions, based on game sales, uh, whatever it may be. You're hoping that the hardware, that the reduced cost of it eventually breaks itself and brings it back via software pricing. So in the end, I feel like you're saying, John, I feel like they should have price cut this a little bit. Now, I have no idea what it costs to make. For all I know, this could be a $1,000 headset that they've already cut in half. I doubt that's the case. Um, but I really don't know what the tech costs. At the same point, from a consumer perspective, like you said, buying something that is already the price, more than the price of the console, uh, it seems to be a big hesitation, especially the VR not quite taking off yet either.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, VR is already such a niche market in the gaming industry. Um, I I don't know. Like Personally, I I almost feel like they're trying to force VR, Um, not just Sony. Everyone who makes a VR unit, I feel like they're trying to force this idea that VR is the future of gaming and that future is now. But the issue is, is the price, Uh, you know console prices have gone up over the years pc prices have gone up over the years and then to release you know the playstation vr 2 um you know when the entire globe is you know having you know economy issues uh you know from those two lockdown years of covid uh it's just it's tough to for me For anyone that is not like, again, having a crap ton of disposable income at their, you know, dispense here to even think about trying to dive into VR anytime soon. It just it feels forced. Is the technology there? Yeah, probably. But is the technology there enough that will drive the price down? Obviously not. If this is going to cost more than the actual unit. Uh, that is required to use this this uh, uh, VR set, the PlayStation 5. Um, I don't know, I, I just feel like we're still years and years away from VR actually being a, a legit a legitimate thing in the gaming world where the average gamer can actually afford to experience it. it right now, it's really gate kept behind a very high price point. And I just don't think they're gonna get that message across to gamers that this is gonna be the next, level of
1: gaming because of it and it's one of those things like i feel like the industry has been back and forth on it like xbox has had this question at a number of fan events are you guys going to dive into vr the answer has been no pretty much every time but microsoft as a company is investing in i think they helped hp and valve with one that's being developed Uh, they've been involved with something with logitech in the vr space and then playstation just looking at playstation in general because they're the ones announcing this new vs vr 2 headset They shut down a number of their VR studios just last year or the year before. And sure, COVID played a significant part of that, I'm sure. And the development of the PSVR 2 being pushed due to COVID probably played a big part as well. But they shut down like two or three VR-based studios. So now they're investing more money in third-party for VR, which to me feels like a move. Like, hey, we're still interested. We think this space has... um, I guess, some ability to grow over the years, but we're not willing to put as much first-party funding into it. We want to have other studios develop it, so we're not quite as committed to it. But at the same time, they're making new hardware. Again, Horizon does have an IP uh, game coming out with Call of the Mountain that is going to be VR, so they are putting some first-party funding into it. But it does seem like even Sony releasing this new headset is a little bit hesitant of the tech still because, again, it still isn't quite affordable for the masses. Okay, moving on to something that the masses will be picking up at its new $70 price point and will probably be the biggest game to come out on PS5 so far and possibly even the biggest game for Sony this generation. That is God of War Ragnarok, John. This one pulling in some insanely high reviews. It's now the second highest rated game of the year on both Open Critic and Metacritic. I personally lean toward Open Critic because it looks at all platforms. With God of War, that really doesn't matter because it is only on PlayStation 5 as of right now. But looking at it anyway, it's pulling in a critic average of 94 out of 100. Very, very high. I want to say Elden Ring was 96, if I remember correctly. And 98% out of 100 critics recommend it. John, this is a very, very high rating. Puts it right up there in the Game of the Year conversation, as many expected. Again, right behind Elden Ring in most remarks. But again, just on the tail, right, right behind him. Uh, about 30 hours of gameplay is what it sounds like overall. Did I freeze, by the way, or is it just my Twitch over here? Yeah. Oh, no, momento! as we load back in. (laughs) I did my little Spanish translation there for the podcast listeners while I was watching your facial expressions. Um, So there, not too much dead air there. Um, Overall, yeah, so it's rating very high. A lot of people excited to dive in. Uh, 30-plus hours of gameplay, it sounds like. If you're a completionist, add a few more hours, probably 10 or so on to that. Uh, From a lot of people, Gene Park being one that I've heard a lot of good things from, uh, from Launcher, he really likes the side quests in this game. Previously, he said The Witcher 3 was his favorite side quest game ever made. It sounds like God of War Ragnarok now will hold that crown. Um, a lot of some really cool, unique things coming out. And again, I don't want to dive too much into it to give uh, any spoilers away, but it sounds like there's some cool, unique approaches to it, uh, as well as some of the cooler, uh, more diverse environments and biomes kind of linked to these side quests. So in order to really see the full scape of the world, you do need to go on the side quest to encounter... Uh, again, different biomes, different bosses, and all of that that won't be tied to, again, the kind of epic main quest that's going to run about 30 or so hours. So really cool game if you have a PS5, and eventually this will be coming to PC. We don't know the exact date yet. I would assume it's going to be a little quicker than two years, like we've seen a lot of their games recently. I think it probably will be around that one year mark, if I had to guess, for maybe next holiday season. Um, but overall, definitely one to put on your radar if you have access or are going to have access to a PS5 or PC in the near future. Anything else to say on this, John? I know you played some of the older God of War games. Uh, it's always been one of those really epic franchises, from really cool combat uh, to really epic boss battles. And I feel like this one, at least from what we've seen in reviews, will carry that on definitely.
0: Yeah, uh, the story has always been great. The the gameplay has been fantastic as well. Just uh, the game in general feels has always felt very good, even from the initial God of War. Um, I love how they. Uh, they 're not afraid to think outside of the box when it comes to level design and different challenges, whether there's puzzles, whether there's uh, riddles or just feats of strength or major battles against big bosses uh, they're not afraid to just throw everything and anything at the player to make them you know think and challenge them in many different ways throughout the game. I think the lore is fantastic. I mean the fact that you 're a god killer essentially in 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 some of these cases. Uh, you elevate to become a god. A uh, spoiler alert, um, you know, God of War in general is just is a, a fantastic, fantastic title. Um, it's again when I I'll say it again when I switched over from PlayStation to Xbox, this is one of the titles that I knew I was going to miss, and I'm super excited to know that's going to be coming to PC. So one day I eventually will be able to play it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great title, and again, if you're a PlayStation uh, user out there. It is a must-buy. It is a
1: 100% a must-buy game. So keep an eye out for that one. Again, guys, that does release very soon. I think it's November 11th is the date that comes to mind. So I'll have to double-check that. But I believe that's the launch date of this one, which means next week it'll be launching right in front of that holiday window. It will sell a ton of copies along with a ton of PS5s as we move closer to December. Uh, with that being said, game of the year conversations. This, again, elevates itself right up there with Elden Ring. It should be fun to watch how that all plays out as the year goes on. Next up, and sticking with PlayStation, but switching gears from games to TV based on games, The Last of Us show is set to premiere in January 2023. This is done by HBO. Of all video game adaptations, there's like 75 to 85 in the works right now, either moving to movies or TVs based on games. This is the one, one of the top five, let's say, for me, as far as anticipation. I feel like HBO could do a really, really good job with this. Again, we've seen them do great jobs with epic fantasy before. I feel like something apocalyptic like The Last of Us could do really well on HBO. They have a great actor-actress cast. They have a number of cool environments that they showcase showcased through screenshots already. The story, while it's going to be adapted from the sound of interviews, it will be, I'm going to say, somewhat truthful to the game. Like, the core of it is going to stay the same, but certain things are being changed to keep it fresh for gamers as well as to adapt it a little bit more to a TV audience um i'm stoked for this john it's right up there i think fallout and probably the elder scrolls games are the other two that i put in my top three right now uh, as far as shows that i'm anticipating that are going to be really good in the near future uh with that being said this seems to be the first one of those three out in january 2023 is that date
0: yeah I have, I have a lot of high hope for it. a lot of uh, hbo max's series uh have been very very good uh so i'm hoping the last of us um You know, when that comes out, I am super excited for it. I will definitely give it a shot. Uh, Fingers crossed. It will be good.
1: I like it. I like it. So we'll keep an eye on that one as we get closer to that January launch date. Next up is Embracer Group. Again, that big group over in Europe. We've mentioned them a number of times on the show. They've continued to buy up studios. I think they're somewhere around 75 to 100 studios at this point. A lot of those being smaller studios, but their biggest acquisition as of recently was Square Enix West. They bought Square Enix Montreal. They bought Eidos Montreal. They brought Crystal Dynamics. And on top of that, they bought a bunch of IP. Uh, We're talking Legacy of Kain, Tomb Raider. They bought the Lord of the Rings IP, which just had a successful series on Amazon as far as TV series go. Um, This is a big deal. They've continued to grow. They've continued to make acquisitions. They're in a number of other talks. But now we're starting to see potentially the downfall. Um, They are starting to kind of get stretched a little bit thin, at least from the sound of this announcement, and they've shut down one of the newly rebranded studios, so formerly Square Enix Montreal. They just rebranded to Onoma, it feels like, what, John, two weeks ago at this point, maybe not even at that, Um, and they've said, okay, we have this great rebrand, we have this awesome new name. One to two weeks later, they're shutting it down. They're not firing a ton of people from The Sound of Things. They are going to roll them into Eidos Montreal, which is just next door. So they are keeping them within the company, but they're canceling their projects and moving them on to other projects. This came out from Jason Schreier. Um, he put up a nice little blog post on Bloomberg, as well as a number of different stuff out in a tweet. Uh, so some Manoma staff will move over to Eidos Montreal. Again, some will probably be let go as well. Unfortunately, that is the way of the industry. Eidos has canceled an unannounced game. I don't know what unannounced game that is. There's a number of games in the works from these studios. Um, Legacy of Kane I believe they were working on some stuff. Deus Ex, they had another game in the works as well. Um, but one of the things they will be working on is an Xbox game, and that is Fable. So they will kind of be outsourced. We've seen this already from one of these studios of Square West. Crystal Dynamics is working on um, Perfect Dark with the initiative. And now it sounds like Itis Montreal and Anoma slash Square Enix Montreal that is now merged into them uh, will be assisting Microsoft and Xbox with Fable 2. Um, John, I think there's a few different parts here, right? One of them being, so Embracer has continued to make these acquisitions, and now they're starting to downsize or reinvent themselves a little bit. Does this make you nervous for future studio acquisitions, or do you think this is kind of the initial nail in the coffin of Embracer maybe starting to slow down on the acquisition front? Uh,
0: First off, I think it's a really crappy move that they're going to even spend the money to rebrand a studio then just shut it down a couple weeks later. Are you going to sit here and tell me that you didn't know that that was coming? Mm-hmm. Uh, i just that I just think is a really scummy move um yeah i I think embrace are starting to realize that they, they need to pump their brakes a little bit, especially in in the the way that the economy currently is uh you know I, I feel like a lot of companies that uh started acquiring these these businesses because at one point in time it was acquired to survive uh because again of how bad the economy was during the pandemic so uh yeah, I mean we're still kind of in this gray area of where in this where in the world this economy is going to go. Uh so companies that maybe at the time didn't think they were overreaching by acquiring all these studios are now realizing well maybe we need to slow down a little bit. Maybe we need to consolidate a little bit more now. We have the manpower uh, to to you know develop these games going forward, but we can't spread them out as much as as we originally thought. So we need to consolidate a little bit. Um so yeah, I I feel like is this more of a you know give and take with the way the world's economy is currently going, uh, you know acquiring the studio, great move, uh, rebranding it and then shutting it down in two weeks, not a great move, but at least they're keeping the the the, the personnel for, for releases we know, moving them on to different projects. I, I think that's a smart move. I feel like a, right now the companies that acquired a lot of the uh, of studios are now realizing, you know, all these games are probably still going to be delayed for a couple more years, these games that that are have the the COVID development time in it. This might be a way that Embracer's thinking, "Hey, look, we can cut back on delays if we consolidate. We have the 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 employees to do it now. So we can possibly do it this way by kind of, you know, taking what we have acquired, making our footprint a little bit smaller, but keeping the manpower there and possibly cut back on these delays by meeting more deadlines." faster with larger groups working on them um I, I like to try to be positive in this uh but there's no positive way you can spin on shutting a studio down
1: yeah it's definitely tough it's not a great situation to be in obviously as an employee or as someone who just enjoys games in general you never want to see people cut from their jobs especially projects being shut down uh, a number of notable ones from star wars 1313 13, to many others in the industry that unfortunately have never really seen the light of day outside of little leaks here and there And it sounds like a lot of these will be the same case unless they're just shelved for a while. Um, But overall, it is sad to see it happen this way. Uh, At the same point, I'm kind of in agreement with you here, John. I think we'll still see some acquisitions from them, but I think it'll be smaller studios with these three being kind of bigger, really buying up pretty much all of Square Enix's Western Division and the Lord of the Rings IP as well. Uh, They kind of spent a lot of money, and I feel like that is one thing that Embracer really hasn't necessarily lacked. But now with the economy taking the turns that it is, I will make them think twice about a couple of these moving forward. The other thing I think that's kind of big here is that now this is one of formerly three studios, now two studios, both of them working with Xbox on different things here. Uh, A lot of people prior to the acquisition from Square Enix, from a greater group making the deal initially, a lot of people thought this studio was going to go over to Xbox. Crystal Dynamics was working on Perfect Dark already with the initiative number of the relationships were kind of being built between these two studios. You saw Eidos put Guardians of the Galaxy over on uh, Xbox Game Pass as well, and that did quite well on Game Pass. So now overall, as we continue to move forward, we see these deals being made. Uh, I think this could be something, and again, I could be wrong, if Embracer does think they bid off more than they can chew, and there's already this relationship going on between Microsoft and Xbox, and both these studios now working on Xbox titles, uh, again, on top of some of the other titles they are working on for themselves, I wonder if we see them either become permanent studios of Xbox or become fully acquired eventually once the Activision Blizzard deal goes through as well. I definitely think that is something worth keeping an eye on, John. Um, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that. Um, But I do think these two could be acquisition targets. Again, working on Xbox games, having that relationship, uh, especially if Square Enix or rather um, Embracer Group does look to spin some of these studios off. I could see these two being prime candidates for that spinoff with Xbox looking for support studios as well next up is your territory in the technology realm and that is amd we had their rdna3 announcements today as well as a number of different graphics cards processors and all that goodness Uh, a lot to dive into i didn't get to see the show live i doubt you got to see the show live because it was pretty late in the day Um, but are there any highlights that you've heard or anything in particular you were kind of looking out for with this show i'll be honest i haven't even had a chance to dive into it yet um yeah,
0: I'm, I am I apologize. I'm actually not prepared on this topic. I have not had a chance to dive into it.
1: You are all good. So we'll probably hold <laughs> off then for a little bit on this one, guys. Uh, one of the things that I think AMD has done very well, and John, I feel like you and I bring this up every time there's an AMD or an NVIDIA showcase. AMD has continued to pr- push their prices down and their fidelity up in a lot of these processors. So they're continuing to put out better and better products but also cheaper products, allowing the masses to kind of dive in a little bit more. Pretty much the opposite of what we've been saying with VR earlier in tonight's show. So as that happens, the big competitors, mainly NVIDIA and then Intel out there now as well, have kind of had to drag some of their prices down too to kind of meet some of this new, uh, I guess, requirement of this particular sector of the industry due to AMD pushing it so much more consumer friendly. Now, with people data mining or Bitcoin mining less, rather, uh, we are seeing some of these prices naturally come down too. But I think AMD has been a big consumer victory here, continuing to push these prices more into consumer hands, allowing more graphic cards to be purchased as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things AMD is going to have here going forward with their uh, graphics card line is uh, with the announcement of the RTX 40 series from uh, from NVIDIA, uh, the issue is, is, is there's a new... Uh, adapter for the pins for the power supply to go to that card. Um, I do believe the uh, uh, AMD cards will have the standard plug-in for it, so it's not going to require a new power supply unit, uh, which is big. Because uh, let's be honest here: if you've invested into your power supply unit, which if you have a gaming PC and you have anything less than a gold-rated power supply unit, you're doing it wrong and you're playing with danger. Uh, protect your stuff. Get a better power unit. Uh, uh, if you have to get a new power unit uh, to to you know power this new card, you're looking at an additional two hundred, three hundred dollars. Uh, and again, that's because I do not recommend anything under gold. Um, you know, that's something you have to keep in in mind. With so if you're getting the same kind of performance. Uh, and the same kind of power that you can get from the 40 series from NVIDIA on the AMD card, and you don't have to upgrade your power unit? I mean, look, gamers, I'm going to be honest with you out there. Graphics cards are plug-and-play. They they really are. It doesn't matter what motherboard you have. It doesn't matter your processor, uh, whether you're uh, uh, an Intel chip-based processor and motherboard, or whether you're an AMD uh, chip-based motherboard and processor. Uh, Plug-and-play uh, in all honesty, if you're looking to upgrade your graphics card and you don't want to shell out you know, $1,500 for the 4090, uh, then great. Shell out $900 or $1,200 for the top-of-the-line AMD card. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you get to save an additional $300 you don't need a new power supply unit.
1: I hate to be uh, this so, guy, John, just yeah. to cut you off. I had no yeah. idea it was plug-and-play like that. I thought there was Pretty some much. relation between motherboards or processors where you kind of had to have something similar that could work with one another well wow. no? i mean the only thi-
0: the the processor and motherboard are the ones that have to work together, so you have to have the motherboard that is able to read that generation of chipset um which is why you'll see like oh it's a z four ninety chipset motherboard for for intel uh you know which means you can't use like a uh you know a, a you know backwards generational uh, uh you know processors on that motherboard and so it's like whenever you upgrade your processor. Or, you know, your your, your your processor chip. It's like, okay, great. Is it compatible with my motherboard? Because if it's not compatible with my motherboard, I need a new motherboard. And then you run into other issues because guess what your operating system is tied to? Your motherboard. So then you have to go through and, and beg Microsoft, hey, please don't charge me an additional license fee. I had to upgrade my computer. I got a new motherboard. Microsoft is usually pretty good about helping you out there. Um, but, you know, yeah. Graphics cards are, are borderline plug-and-play. Now, there is something to be said when you have an all-AMD uh, build. Uh, they are meant to work well together. They do. Uh, it, it is streamlined. Think of, like, Apple products. Very streamlined when you're inside the Apple ecosystem. Same thing with AMD here. Uh, the big thing that it comes down to is your monitor. If you're going to take uh, advantage of, like, NVIDIA's G-Sync, you need a G Sync capable monitor and only an NVIDIA graphics card. An AMD FreeSync will not work on a G Sync, and vice versa. Um, that's where the, the the comparisons really come into.
1: Great stuff. Look at that, guys! Tech hour with John over here at the end. Sorry. So well, no, I mean this is awesome. This is I learned something new too. I wasn't expecting to learn something new tonight, but here we are. R D N A three sounds fantastic though. Some really cool fidelity things coming along with that on top of the new hardware. Again, graphics. Uh, graphics cards processors amd kind of does a little bit of it all and they continue to kind of push us forward while nvidia is still kind of that flagship it does feel like every single presentation amd starts to chip away a little bit whether it be at those big nvidia prices or whether it just be at the technology uh equivalents at this point it feels like they're getting closer and closer together as more products get announced so definitely something to keep an eye on and again huge win for amd as they continue to uh, play a little bit of that consumer hero, making the graphics card industry a little bit more accessible to others. Last bit of gaming news before we roll into a little bit of esports and wrap up today's show. We have some new Game Pass editions for the first half of November. Not going to go through every one of these, but some big highlights here. Return to Monkey Island is going to be on Game Pass. It just launched recently. One of the highly, highest rated games of the year as well. It's not God of War. Uh, It's not Elden Ring, um, but it is up there as far as kind of indie -er games go. So Return to Monkey Island dropping this month. Football Manager 2023, one of the most popular games every single year it releases, uh, especially over in Europe, will be available on cloud console and PC on day one. Uh, Some other cool indies to look out for. Pentiment over by Obsidian and Josh Sawyer. Uh, That's kind of in, I believe it's based in old, I want to say old English, but um, medieval-time Germany, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, One to keep an eye on. I think that's going to be a really cool indie game that kind of works its way into one of the top indie games of the year. Uh, Vampire Survivors, a lot of people have that game as their game of the year, uh, even on top of Elden Ring and God of War. I am not one of those people. Uh, I'm a little bit more graphically driven. I like to see games with kind of those high-fidelity graphics Uh, vampire survivors to me is not one of those but i've heard it is extremely addicting to play so that could be one to look out for and then last one that i want to mention here is somerville Uh, that was on my 2022 indie games to look out for list it did get bumped a couple months back due to delays pretty much every game has been delayed this year it feels like Uh, that is one to keep on your radar as we head into the holiday season though anything else you want to
0: mention sir i'm super excited for football manager i have actually never played it oh okay um so, again, this is the reason why I really do enjoy Game Pass. It's a game I would never buy because I'm like 50-50 on it. I love soccer. I love watching soccer. I enjoy playing FIFA. Um, but when it's, a more, uh, when, when it's a very different style of game like this, and I've never played a game like that before, I cannot justify paying $60, $70 for it. But now that it's going to come to Game Pass, I'm going to dive in head first. I'm super excited for it. Uh, so when it does release, I will be playing it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we've seen the success of sports games on Game Pass. I mean, MLB The Show broke records the last two years launching on there. Uh, And it's one of those things that's just going to continue. I think this is the second or third year Football Manager has released on there. It's done extremely well. Sega has put it on there once again. And I expect it to do pretty well again. I mean, it's been one of the top-selling games, uh, especially sports games over the last couple of years, pulling in numbers of players, especially in Europe. I think it will do quite well on that service, too. Last but not least is League of Legends, John. The biggest esport in the world heads into the finals. We have DRX and T1, two teams from the LCK as the front runners in this finals. Uh, I mean, a number of storylines, right? You have Faker returning once again. He's already won two or three world championships at this point, now getting a chance at another crown. And then on top of that, you have Deft, the famous eighty carry Deft, uh, who has always fallen short of making his way into that final game and finding his way to a championship Now getting another chance, and on top of that, with a very strong team, he has King Jen in the top lane, Piasik in the jungle, Zeka, who has been incredible in mid this year, uh, really destroying players at Worlds. Uh, He's kind of gone through a number of high-name players, from the LEC players in the mid lane, to NA, to China, defeating everyone along the way, and who the final boss in the mid lane, but Faker the most legendary mid laner of all time in League of Legends. I think that's going to be great. And then in that bot lane, you have Deft and Barrel as well. Barrel's gotten the job done a number of times, continuing to be a successful support. And now he'll bring those analytics to this team in DRX to see if he can get the job done up against T1. That includes Zeus, owner in the jungle, Faker in the mid lane, Guma, Yas, Guma Yusi uh, at bot lane, and then Caria at support. Again, extremely talented as well. Two of the best teams in the world. Again, both coming from South Korea as the LCK has been an extremely powerful region over the last couple of years. The LPL has made their noise and China won it last year, but this year it is going to be an all-Korean final. And John, it should be a banger. Uh, I would not be surprised if this one does go five games. It needs to go
0: five games, right? Give me seven. Uh, <laughs> this, this matchup is spicy. Uh, uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you or... Uh, someone you know is interested in eSports, uh, diving in, trying to figure out what this whole eSport thing is about. Maybe someone's interested in League of Legends. Uh, there's no better time than to introduce them to uh League of Legends eSports than, than this matchup. It's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, I- I'm excited for it. it- it's going to be absolutely legendary. Uh it- It's going to be an absolute bloodbath on the rift, and, and I- I'm here for it. I'm super excited for it uh faker in his element once again uh it's it's exciting it's it's really really exciting if if you're into esports if you're into league of legends this is a matchup of the ages
1: absolutely one to look forward to and it is coming soon this does kick off i believe it's this saturday john do you remember exactly i just shut it um but i think it's this saturday november 4th november 5th this saturday november 5th 8 p.m eastern time for those checking it out DRX versus T1 should be one for the record books. Definitely one to keep an eye on as Faker could go for his next title. Deft could be going for his first legendary players across the board and should be some very, very, very good League of Legends action. With that being said, I am hoping to see not only the League of Legends World Championship be a hit, but I'm hoping my Philadelphia Phillies can get a hit in tonight's World Series game after going hitless last night against the Houston Astros. And that, again, is why we did the show a little bit earlier tonight as we wrap up around 8 p.m., to go see that first pitch over on fox i believe uh excited to check out some world series action as well as these esports events to come as we head into some great gaming times ahead in november and december why in the world did we give fox a shout out like it's not like they're paying us or. i was just trying to buy time while you were moving the music and everything over i was like what else can i say
0: (laughs) i I actually had to restart the music twice because because oh i went too long it's fine it's fine it's fine you good nation that will do it for this edition you know what I'm gonna slow the outro down a little bit so you, so you miss the first inning. No, I'm joking, nation. That's gonna do it for this edition of Level Up Live. Before you go, head over to Patreon. Oh no, see no, wrong. That, it, that's what happens. Is is the brain is trained. <laughs> Before you go, make sure you head on over to Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on the podcast version, leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from our community so much.
1: There are multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are those ways? Absolutely, Level Up Nation. Head on over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is UP Live. In addition to that, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at OTN Media. Or rather, Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media for the Umbrella Company. On Instagram, it is OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. Level Up Live, typically Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. But again, follow us on Twitter just to make sure if any of those time changes do come through.
0: All right, make sure to tune in next Thursday. That is the 10th of November as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming eSports news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Tune in to the finals of League of Legends. It's going to be absolutely epic. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online, and as always,
1: level up. up.